what you do, your service, amen, to Black History Month. Amen. <clears throat> All right, it's preaching time. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn to the Epistle of James. <clears throat> the Epistle of James, the first chapter. We begin our reading at verse number two. Ephesians, the first chapter, begin at verse number two. I mean, excuse me, I see James, yeah, James, the first chapter. Verse number two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let me read that one more time. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing from this portion of scripture i would like to take for a thought this morning from trials to triumph from trials to triumph trials is plural because if you are in christ jesus or even if you're not in Christ Jesus, you're going to have some trials in this life. And the reason being is because that's just what life is. Life is a journey, a journey that has obstacles, a journey that has pitfalls, a journey that has peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows. You're gonna always run into situations and circumstances that are going to cause you to feel uncomfortable. And this is what really makes you know that you are alive. Can you imagine what life would be like if everything was agreeable? I know, I know you, want, you want that, I know, I know you want that. But that's just not how life works. Because if you love anybody on the face of this earth, you're gonna have trouble. Just ask the parents that have children that they love. At one point in time, your children are going to let you down and will create a storm in your life. This text was written by James. History tells us that this is James the Just. James the Just is actually the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. James grew up in the same household as Jesus Christ, but yet James did not come to believe in him until Jesus rose from the dead. For Paul tells us that Jesus, when he rose, he showed himself to no less than 500 people, and then he showed himself to James and then the other apostles. 
In other words, Jesus made a special effort to go and show himself to his brother. And it was after this that James began to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I began to ask myself, how in the world could you be born in the same house and raised in the same house as Jesus and not recognize who, recognize who he is? Well, the problem is, is that perhaps there were some other things that were going on in that household. Can you imagine if you were born and raised in the same household with Jesus? I mean, you're talking about Jesus who never did anything wrong. Jesus was perfect. I, I, I can imagine Mary and Joe saying, you need to be more like Jesus. You need, you need to be more like your brother. Look at him. He, he, he's always helping someone. Or, or how about this? How, how come you didn't get as good a report card as Jesus got? Jesus brought all A's into the house. How come you can't measure up to Jesus? There's perhaps some resentment going on. I mean, I, I, I can see Jesus out there helping Mr. Bartholomew put up his fence. James is sitting in the house playing Xbox and, and on his phone on Facebook or Instagram. He said, why can't you get up and go out and help like Jesus helps? And perhaps this created something within James to where the last thing that he wanted to be was like Jesus. And understand that there's sometimes that we put the same type of pressures on siblings within the same household. Be careful how you do that. Because not only perhaps did Mary and Joseph do this, but also we know that Jacob did the same thing with Joseph. He paraded Joseph around as his favorite son. And what ended up happening? He got sold into slavery by his blood, his brethren, his siblings. It created a trial in his life. And so Jake, here we see James is writing this letter to some Jewish Christians who are coming up underneath persecution because of their faith. Now understand that back then if you were a Jew and you were a Christian, you were ostracized from the family. As a matter of fact, they counted you as being dead. So if you, if you graduated from a, from a rabbinical school, they wouldn't even come and see about you. If you got married, they wouldn't even come to your wedding. They counted you as dead because dead folk can't get married. He's writing to encourage them. He's letting them know that this, this, this is normal. This is par for the course as being a Christian. The problem is, is that nowadays, Christians don't want to take nothing. We, 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 don't, we don't want to be persecuted. We don't want to go through any tribulations, any problems. Don't look at us wrong. Don't say nothing wrong to us because we will get you told. We will get you up off of us. But here James writes this letter, not just to them, but it's applicable to us as well. In this text, he tells them that they are to count it all joy when they come into various, that's many, various temptations. That word temptation is actually can be converted as trials or tribulations. 
Because James understood the fact that you're going to face some trials. You're going to face some tribulations. You're going to face some hardship. And you need to expect it. Many of us go walking around and we're getting blindsided by our circumstances. Our church covenant tells that we're to walk circumspectly in the world. We need to be on the out, look out. We need to be looking out. You need to be looking with a spiritual eye. The Bible tells us that we are to walk in the spirit, that we are to always be in the spirit. And then you won't be ignorant to Satan's devices. But understand this, understand this. Before you begin to blame Satan for the trials and the tribulations that come your way, understand that Satan cannot do anything without God's permission. So, so, so if Satan is attacking you, it's because God is allowing him to do so. You, you remember Job, right? When the sons of God came before God, Satan came right along with them. And it was God's that said, have you tried my servant Job? Have, in other words, have you tested Job? In other words, he wanted to know what was Job made of? God already knows what you and I are made of. But he sends trial that you might know what you made of. Because you cannot mature until you know what's really down on the inside of you. And don't you sit up and tell me what you won't do. Because there's some stuff that I thought I'd never ever do. And I find myself Repenting unto God. Making promises to God that I know I couldn't keep. Have you ever been there before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You done promised God some stuff that you know you weren't going to be able to keep it. So he said that we are to count it uh, joy. This count here is a term, and what it really means is to evaluate to begin to examine, to count it as joy. And understand that what this means is that as believers, you must first change your perception of your trial and your situation. You see, because most times we take a woe is me attitude when it comes to our trials and our situations. But understand that your trials come to make you better. Unfortunately, most times it just makes us bitter. And so you've got to get from bitter to better. To understand that what is it developing within me? What is being birthed within me? You see, because when you begin to see what God is going to bring you into, you don't have a problem with singing, hallelujah to your name, God. I'm going through this, but God, I know what it's making me. What it's doing within me. The problem is that you don't see the finished product. And God has a bird's eye view. He already know how your circumstance, how your situation is going to turn out. But he lets you go through these. That you might be strengthened. He said, count it all joy. No, 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 understand. Understand that that word all in the Greek means all. That means in every situation, every circumstance, no matter what you're going through, 
We are to count it as being joy. The reason most of us fail tests is because we don't count it as being joy. Now understand that this is not just a fake, oh, oh, I'm happy to be going through this. No, nobody's happy to be going through trials and tribulations. I'm not happy going through trials and tribulations. I don't go looking for trials and tribulations. They just come to my front door. But when I'm going through it, it is, it is a feeling within me that, that this is uncomfortable. This is painful. But Lord, thank you that I'm making it through my situation, my trial and my situation. Give God glory. Because we're to count it all joy when we come into or fall into these divers' temptation. And look at James uses this word fall. Because there are some times that you will accidentally stumble into some situations you ain't had no business being into. But needless to say, God still is in the plan. God still is in the works. God still is doing a wonderful work in you. And this is what he this is this is this is what he's talking about here. He says in verse number three, he said, he said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Now, number one, we need to understand that that, that, that this is a learning process for us as we go through the trials and the tribulations. Through every trial, through every tribulation, you ought to use it as a learning opportunity. You should learn more about yourself. How do I respond when people talk nasty and down to me? How do I respond when people stab me in my back? How, how, how do I ba bounce back from a bad decision that I made? Hello, somebody. Because a lot of trials will come because of our own bad decisions. And God will let the natural consequences of that decision fall upon us. How, how, how do you operate in those situations? How, how, how do you deal with adversity? Understand, what, what have you learned about the enemy? You see, we, we can't be ignorant of his devices. And the devil shouldn't be able to hit you with the same attack in the same way. You ought to be able to see it coming before he even gets there. And the reason why you have these reoccurrences of trials and tribulations is because you didn't learn from the first one. You, 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 you didn't see his tricks. You didn't see the traps that he laid for you. And he's laying them in the same spot. But it's us. The one that have been foolishly will continue to go down the same path that got us in trouble the last time. That created the trial the last time. So we need to know this. Here, here, James talks about the purpose of our trials, of our tribulations. He said that it is the trying of your faith. The word there for trying in the, in the Greek means to prove or proof of your faith. In other words, it's to tell you how much faith you really have to endure and get through this situation. You see, most of us try and fix and work out the problems. We go to so many other people rather than just sitting patiently and waiting on the Lord in faith. Because every situation that God has allowed me to come into, he's always brought me out of it. Every time I run into an obstacle, 
that seems insurmountable, God always brings me over it. That's why the, the scripture said that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. God has got our back. But it requires your pure faith. And when you have faith, you can count it all joy. You can shout in the midst of your circumstance and your situation. You can give God glory. You can begin to praise his name. Even in the midst of your troubles, God said praise him. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to work it out. Turn it over to the Lord. But also learn from it. He said, he said that, that this is the trying of your faith. You see, understand that trials will tell on you. It'll tell exactly where your faith is. Many of us talk about how much faith we have. We sing songs about faith. We pray in faith. We talk about faith. We read faith in the scriptures. But how many of us are really walking in faith, trusting God every step of the way? Yeah, you trust him while things are going good. But what happens when you lose your temper? Do you revert back to giving them them cuss words? No, no, no. You, what you need to understand is that, is that not only you, you're not the only one that's experiencing your trials and your tribulations. You're not the only one. Did you not know that there are folk that are watching you? They want to see how you're going to act during your tribulation. As, as, as a matter of fact, Joe's friend did the same thing, right? They came and sat with him. And for seven days, they did the right thing. They sat quietly, didn't say a word to him. But all lo and behold, they had to open up their mouth and start talking. Job, there must have been something you did wrong. They began to blame Job for his circumstance and his situation. Be careful who you blame. A lot of times we as the church have not come to a place where we're helping and assisting people who are going through trials and tribulations. We're far too quick to, to judge folk and say there must have been something you did to put yourself in this situation. And that may be the case. But our responsibility as the body of Christ is to grab their hands and pray with them, to work with them, to bring them through. To say, hey, listen, there is a God that can fix this situation for you if you just let him. This, this is what God is looking for out of us. As his church, as believers, this is what God desires to see out of us. That we're to help people that are going through some of the same things that we've gone through. Look here, he said, he said, he said, it's for the trying of your faith and it worketh patience. That, that, that word patience is the Greek word that's made from two Greek words. One means to be under and the other means to await. In other words, that we are to be up underneath the weight of our oppression and let it have its perfect work in our lives. In other words, it's designed to do something. And many of us are trying to get up from underneath that weight far too soon. Listen here, it's, it's just like if you go to the gym 
You'll never get any stronger if you keep lifting the same amount of weight every time you go in there. You must increase your weight. You must come up under even more weight. And what it does is it builds patience. It builds endurance. That's what this word here means. It means to build endurance. And if you're going to run this race and what God has given us, you must endure to the end. That's what the scripture says. You got to endure. Some of us are dropping out of the race after the first mile. But understand that God has built you and he's brought these trials in your life that you might be able to build up some stamina. But once again, we turn our back on that. We avoid that as much as possible. And I know, I know, I know, I haven't been in the gym in a while. And you can tell. I can tell. I know that when I go to work and I got to walk up to the third floor, I can tell I ain't been in the gym in a while. Because when I'm fit, I can climb those stairs with no problem. But man, after the second floor, I got to stop and take a break. And I don't know, they, they put these chairs there. I think they was for, for people like me. Where you can just sit down and get you a break. And some, some of us are doing that in our Christian walk. Because we have not been challenged. We not have, have the, the, the heaviness of the trials and the tribulations do its perfect work. And what we'll do is we'll find somewhere to go and sit down. We become stagnant. And it's not complete. And you're still having the same problems, the same situations. You're still being beat up by the devil with the same old, same old things. But if you would just stay up underneath that weight of the trial and the tribulations, it's developing something in you. One of the first things that it'll develop in you is a prayer life. That's a good time for you to develop a prayer life when you're up underneath the weight of problems and situations. It's a shame that we have the weapon of prayer and we use it the least. God has given you a weapon. He's given you the full arm of God, but he's given you a weapon of prayer. You can go before the Father in the time of need, in the time of trials and tribulation, and pray. Pray in faith. But understand this, don't be surprised if God does not say anything. Because if God does not say anything, that's exactly where he wants you at. You're going through a divorce. You're having problems on your job. Your kids are not acting right. You find yourself financially strained. Family members are leaving and dying. You feel alone. Perhaps that's a good place for you to be at. Because sometimes that's the only time that God can get your attention. So, so sometimes that's the only time that you'll hear from God. 
And so God is trying to get you to see and to understand that, listen, if you want to get out of this situation, spend a little bit more time with me in prayer. If you're not hearing anything, you're praying, keep on praying. Praying, pray until you get your breakthrough. Many of, many of us are, are still struggling with issues. And that's me in, included. Every, 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 listen here, every Saturday night I'm struggling. Because I know I got to get up here and preach. Y'all don't know that, but I, I, I do, I struggle. Because I want to make sure that I'm giving you what God says. That I don't give you what I say. Because what I say don't mean anything. But it's what the Lord says. And that's what I want to make sure that I give you guys. So most of my nights on Saturday nights and early Sunday morning is spent awake praying. Going before the Lord. Asking God, Lord, make sure that I'm, I'm speaking what you would have me to give them, Lord. Keep my mouth shut from what I want to say. But God, let them hear your voice. Because it is the word of God that will set you free. And I'm praying that this message will encourage you as you go through your trial. You're going you, to go through trials. If you're not in a trial, one is on its way. One, one, one's on the way. So, so, so in other words, you need, you need to expect it. Don't, don't, don't be sitting around, you know, thinking that, that, that everything is going to be hunky-dory all the time. No. Even on a rose bush, there's some thorns. As beautiful as the rose bush is, there's some thorns, and there's some thorns in life. Some of us are going to come into some situations that's going to rock us to our core. There's going to be some situations that's going to take the breath out of you. Like a gut shot. And there may be some time that we panic. There may be some time that we get in fear. But the Holy Ghost gives us what I call is a, a snapback moment. It's when he gets in your intellect, when he gets in your heart, and you snap back and say, wait a minute, I'm a child of the most high God. What am I fretting over this for? I'm constantly having snapback moments. Because sometimes I don't know what life is going to bring. I don't know what the circumstances of life are going to bring my way. But I count it as all joy. And I'm walking in his, in his word. I'm walking in his word. He says in verse number three, but let patience have her perfect work. In other words, what he's saying is that you've got to allow this in your life. You've got to allow God to, to bring this tribulation in your life. And you've got to let it do the work in which it has been designed to do. Don't be so quick to get out from underneath it. God knows how to lift the burden in due season. It's in his timing. And usually here's what the deal is. That, 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 like I said, God knows what you're made of, but God wants to keep you there until you realize what you're really made of. Because you can't fix that you, something that you don't know is broken. And most of y'all don't even know, and most of us don't even know, that our faith is broken sometimes. That we don't always operate in faith like we ought to operate in faith. We don't always trust God like we should be trusting God. You see, because we'll trust God in good times, but we need to trust God in the same, the same way in bad times. 
Don't you ever give up on God because God will never give up on you. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus Christ is our perfect example of what it looks like to endure. Jesus Christ endured. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 12 chapter says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, when Jesus seen the cross, the greatest tribulation and tragedy that human life have ever witnessed in the history of mankind, Jesus seen it as a joyous situation. Why? Because he knew that he came for that purpose. Jesus Christ came down through 42 generations and he faced trials all along the way. As a matter of fact, his birth was a trial because he was born in a stable. There was no room for him in the end. He was born in a stable as a poor baby. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. They didn't even have clothes to put on him. They laid him in a manger, a trough that animals ate from. Didn't have a bassinet, didn't have a crib. He suffered trials, tribulations. That was his life. That was the mark of his life. The greatest trial was Calvary. They marched him up Calvary's cross, hill, nailed him to a cross, put nails in his hands, nails in his feet, put a crown of thorns on his head, and he suffered, bled, and died. The greatest tragedy ever. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be able to endure the same way. The joy that was set before him. He died for our sins. He gave his life for our sins. I could not give my own life for my own sin. But he's the one that rescued me from hell. Because he died upon that cross. Because he gave his life. They buried him in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose victoriously with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And if Jesus rose, we're going to rise too. He rose for our justification. He declared me as being righteous because of that, because of my faith in him. But understand that your faith will be tested. And that's what trials and tribulations come to do. They come to test your faith. How much faith do you really have? You're talking about it. Can you walk the walk now? Jesus came, died, was buried in robes, sits at the right hand side of the Father making intercessions for us. He's praying for us. But oh, he's coming back for a church. He's, he's going to call us and rapture us off, off this earth. But then he's coming back to set up his kingdom on earth and there we'll rule with him. Because he said, if you suffer with me, you're going to reign with me. There's a benefit in suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand to your feet. The door to church is open. Is there one?